This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. Hi, I'm Heather Marie Udo. I'm the founder and CEO of Shoppable. And what I love about retail is, you know, that connection of being able to bring joy to the consumer when they receive that product or they purchase that product that they had in mind or that they were looking for. Will you need a website in the future to sell your products online? If you ask Heather Marie Udo, online retail expert and founder and CEO of Shoppable, a distributed commerce technology company with a patented universal checkout API, she'll tell you the answer is likely no. After all, the retail consumer is changing, and the focus is shifting from pulling the consumer to the brands to bringing the brands to where the consumer already is. And retailers are following and creating commerce experiences there instead of through their own channels. Coming up, you'll hear how commerce is everywhere and about trends in social shopping, why there is so much disruption in the buying process that's actually changing the shopping paradigm, why collaborations between solutions like Shoppable and social platforms like Pinterest are a big deal, and the Cheesehead brings cheese. From New York City, you're listening to Retail is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the retail industry. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Hansen, COO of Ignition One, here always with my co-host, Rebecca Fitz from Warby Parker. Hello. And glad to welcome Heather to the show. Hi. Thank you guys so much for having me. So, Heather, it seems like there's some been some big news with Shoppable with respect to work that you're doing with Pinterest as a partner. Um, is that the goal to help uh, retail brands use social media as a, a way for uh, consumers to connect and shop uh, directly from social or other platforms? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the the single goal, but it, it's definitely one of the goals. You know, ultimately, what we're doing at Shoppable is, um, you know, creating um, shoppable experiences at the point of inspiration, wherever that may happen. So I think, you know, ultimately, we want to connect um, any mention of a product anywhere, um, digitally speaking, with the ability to purchase that product. Uh, you know, that's the larger vision that we're working towards. But with with Pinterest, um, you know, we're super excited to be a partner with with Pinterest and be able to, um, you know, close the close the loop for Pinterest advertisers on being able to to know. You know, I think there's so much data out there, and I don't want to misquote the the exact Pinterest stats, but um, you know, a good portion of people that go to Pinterest are going there to to purchase products, and um, you know, but you go there uh, as a consumer, click on a product, you know, redirect to another site, um, click through a few more times, um, maybe eventually purchase, maybe not, but that information isn't, um, you know able to get back to both Pinterest and the advertiser itself who's selling that product. So what we're doing is is really from um, a data standpoint, bringing that checkout up a lot sooner in that process so the consumer can get to the checkout usually in as little as two to three clicks versus an average of about 16 to 17 without a shoppable checkout. Um, so it provides a better experience for uh, the consumer, for Pinterest and for the advertiser all in one. It's it's interesting because I come from the world of of advertising, digital advertising, and 
connecting from an ad or some sort of marketing initiative through to a website, yep. through to a checkout process, through to a purchase. It seems it seems obvious, almost like, well, okay, that's going to just happen. People are going to navigate. There's not there's going to be some drop off, but not a lot of drop off. But what we see is that connection from ad to site to cart to purchase; mm-hmm. those drop off points are significant. So I would assume that the marketers and the retailers that you're working with will see that uh, you know uh, that that process shrink in terms of you know the, the the steps that you have and would see an increase in conversion so is that happening is that is do you see that from the stats of the retailers that you're working mm-hmm. with yeah it's about really being um smarter about the you know the right ad at the the right time to the you know with the right product to the right consumer and a lot of the way we think about it is a little bit more from a you know, a native and helpful experience, you know, and that certainly affects the um, the overall performance of of that ad, um, it, you know, that combination with the ability to, you know, to reduce the friction that exists from there too. But um, previously it was, um, you know, and still like without using, without using the, the, the checkout, there's just so much friction and such a long um, process that, you know, of course there's going to be a massive amount of drop off, drop off throughout that. Yeah, it seems like such a simple idea, but one that hasn't quite been mastered after 20 years of, of e-commerce. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah Got to make it easy. Um, and I must say, I confess on the show all the time, hopefully my husband doesn't listen. I'm a gold medal shopper, shopper and um, shop off of lots of social media. What what are you seeing? What are the, the best kind of categories? And obviously, I, I think, you know, what's really selling for these advertisers? Um, I mean, I think it, um, it it all depends. Like we work with a lot of different types of companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so like what's selling kind of – we see it, – it's always hard for us to answer that question because we see dramatically different trends across different sites. Gotcha. Um, so depending upon who we're working with, like even like average order values and stuff on, on certain partners, we see, you know, upwards of $300 of an average order value, which is, you know, typically very high for e-commerce. And then we have other partners that are, um, you know – have a completely different market and you know they're seeing an AOV of like 24 or something like that like widely different but yeah I mean we've done um quite a bit we've seen um a lot of um success with like um I would say in particular with personal care beauty and um and fashion um recently right people aren't buying cars on social media yet no but we have (laughs) had a request to to have a shoppable ad for a car company and I'm like that is that's a first you know yeah. but you know people we'll you know yeah probably. people are you know starting to consider buying anything online and um you know I was kind of thinking about this recently recently because I was just listening to another podcast on um with the founder of Zappos and you know he was saying how no one thought people would buy shoes online and I was kind of thinking like yeah I remember there was a time when I even kind of thought like I don't know maybe you know maybe a lot of things will be purchased online maybe not shoes um so yeah so then it made me think of the you know the car question and I'm like yeah it seems like probably not but but then 
again, you never really know um, as consumers are just, you know, increasingly like we're all looking for instant gratification. We're all looking for low friction and um, convenience and, and all of those things. And um, I just bought a car uh, two weeks ago and it was the worst um, process yeah. ever. So I'm like, I probably should have just bought it online <laughs> right. and like known exactly what I was getting, what the exact price is, the features. And like it was all on paper and then just deliver it. Right. <laughs> right. It really is ripe for disruption. I yeah. mean, the, the process, no one ever has a good shopping experience buying a car. It's still the one thing. Yeah. And awful. I do feel like I can imagine a, a, a day where you could just click on a social media link for a car. Um Possibly through shoppable, and then yeah, all exactly. of a sudden you 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 made a thirty five thousand dollar purchase. I, I, uh, I mean, that financing. would dramatically increase the average AOV. Yeah, absolutely. Overnight. <laughs> so so okay, autos not there yet. Maybe <laughs> yeah, getting quite. there. Yeah. Um, one of the challenges I've seen trying to work with um, consumer packaged goods brands mm-hmm. is the fact that, and it's changing, but the fact that most people don't buy CPG brands online. One because it's not. I mean, I think. P&G has tried to do this and other large um, CPG brands have tried to create e-commerce experiences that they control. The reality is, is people go to their supermarket and buy Tide. I would see Shoppable as having, at least creating the ability for CPG brands to actually create an experience where they can connect directly. Is that part of the goal as well for these sort of nascent e-commerce marketers that obviously have huge budgets and 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 people use their products every single day. A hundred percent. Yeah. Where we work with um a, a lot of um I would say probably the the majority of the the largest CPG companies now um really powering their their brand.com experiences. So they think, you know, they think about shoppable as um, you know, an e-commerce partner, but but also brand experience um, platform um, and an insights platform. So, um, you know, to your point, these, you know, CPGs are the biggest advertisers in in the world and um, they're spending so much money on, on marketing. And what blew my mind um, was that they didn't have any, um, you know, pretty much no data on who was purchasing these products. And that kind of you know, thinking through like how much, you know, back to like wasted ad spend and that kind of thing and trying to, um, you know, um, have better um, targeting around it. What they do, what, what they're able to get by, you know, um, enabling checkout within their website is, you know, yes, they can have a fully shoppable experience on their site. They can sell, um, you know, whatever that product is or or suite of products, I should say, Um but they can do so and get access to, you know, really understanding who their their customers are, um, and use that data to um, to improve their product set, to improve their marketing, to um, to optimize that, and um, you know, and then build a relationship with their customer too. And I think that's, you know, so so valuable. Um, you know, and people are wondering why so many D 2 C brands are um, have just really taken off, but they know who their customer is, and they know what people are buying and what they're buying with what, and how they're how frequently they're buying it, and um, getting direct feedback to improve their product. So um, it's really interesting, you know. And I think. Um, 
to your um, to, to your other point, sometimes we see with some CPGs that products that they are thinking about discontinuing and they're making it like it's harder to find those products because maybe they're reducing the markets that they're, you know, um, that they're carried in, the drugstores that they're carried in, the location. So people are then going online to the brand website and we'll see like massive quantities. And I don't want to say any specific products because um, I don't want to call anybody out, but we see massive quantities of things that were like, why is someone buying like a quantity of 22 of this item like it's like a life an example of, of it doesn't have to be the brand but give me an example <laughs> of a category of product where you've seen that if, if certain you know. like sometimes like a non non-perishable foods and um let's say like deodorant or gotcha. um mascara or like you yeah. know, some green products somebody some prefers a scent and it's they're discontinuing <laughs> yeah, it and it's like, like <laughs> i have to get that there's That's... some I, the, the, the weirder ones are foods but i don't want to say what they are um uh to give because they're smaller categories where it's very obvious but um but yeah they're kind of um some of them are kind of funny where like you know where the brand itself is like that person won't need to buy this product again for like 20 you know years. yeah like yeah exactly <laughs> like 12 to 20 years depending upon how big their family is but they must really want it and don't want it to go away you know so, so there's just a lot of interesting data and insights that you get from enabling that for for those types of advertisers yeah so. it's almost like this these categories of I'm going to say middlemen, but third parties exist specifically to, in some ways, disintermediate the brand from. And I don't think it's intentional. Yeah. I just think it's 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 been around these 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 you know whether it's grocery stores or um, big box stores they 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 disintermediate the brand from the customer. Mm -hmm. And to your point on the DC brands, I think that they've. The one thing I think is very powerful is they've created that connection and own that connection. And so I feel like Shoppable can be that hedge for some of these CPG brands to to reconnect. Yeah, exactly. It's it's much harder to go D to C when you you know, you're an old um an older brand and not set up that way. And it's very expensive. Yeah. It's so expensive. We've had um we we've worked with some partners that um you know, thought they wanted to be D to C. They've actually, you know, set up a full D to C site and logistics and everything, fulfillment center, and then realized, oh my gosh, it's so expensive. This makes, you know, like the amount of like work and like costs that we're putting in this, into this does not make sense for, you know, the the dollars that they're seeing. So we've had them like revert back to like we kind of refer to our um, or um, refer to our brand.com solution as D2C Lite, which is essentially enabling um, these brands to have commerce on their site. But, you know, in the back end, it's being fulfilled by the customer's choice of Target or Walmart or Walgreens or Ulta or, you know, whoever their preferred partner is. Are you having conversations or what conversations are you having around privacy? Oh, boy. H hard to have this conversation <laughs> without bringing up the, you know, elephant. Oh, sure. Um, I mean, we're having conversations every day. I was just reviewing another outside vendor this morning, like a contract um, before on my way here. Um, we're having a lot of conversations around it because I think it's, you know, we, um, you know, from a business standpoint, we think about data as a way, you know, from a way that it's, 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 um, you know, providing a better experience um, overall to everyone that's involved in it. Not, um, you know, I think there are other parties that have, you know, kind of stirred up a lot of privacy stuff where it's more, it's a little more um, concerning around it. But we take it, you know, we take it very seriously and have a lot of um, different policies and um, and things in place to kind of protect user um, 
privacy and data and, and, and all of those things. But it's incredibly important to us and something yeah, that, that we're, we're careful with, with, with across all of our partners. Do you see any trends there? I always say this, you know, my mom's calling and saying, don't download or don't buy anything on your phone as I'm downloading and buying music. And mm-hmm. Again, I'm probably the wrong person to answer this question. So, I, you know, privacy certainly is is a huge issue. Is it beginning to trends to the other side or is it still hot button, hot button? I think it's still a hot button. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think like GDPR like really set off um, just so much, you know, kind of inter- internationally really for – any you know company within within our space and um, you know any advertisers. I'm sure you know a, a lot of pretty much every company we we work with um, has um, you know have certain like requirements. And I know um, increasingly those requirements are in, you know are increasing the amount of, of <laughs> right. um, it, they're not going the other yeah they're not going the other, sure. the other okay. direction. You know and like there's like the um, you know the new California law coming out. A lot of the state laws are. are um, you know, or, or a lot of the states are increasingly creating their own um, mm-hmm. data and privacy law. So it's for sure go it just it's just increasing. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it, it takes more, you know, more time and more more resources to, to keep up with it. I think it's important to do it. I also do think it is going to hurt some of the smaller companies that it's where it's harder to uh you know, it's harder to keep up with those types of things. And, you know, again, a lot of the advertisers, you know, it's table stakes for them to do any deal to move forward, right. to have that included. So for sure, it's it's only going, getting stricter and, and, and on the increase. <laughs> and a kind of a funny question, since before we were on air, we were chatting about being called by the robocall. So <laughs> clearly, our information is getting out there and people want to protect oh, for it. Sure. So. For sure. So, Heather, uh, you, part of the show is we ask our guests to bring a snack. We, we want you to participate and uh, and share something that you enjoy and something that maybe gives us an indication of who you are. Um, did you bring a snack today? I did. And it's definitely an indication of who I am. Oh, cool. Now I'm excited. <laughs> so uh, so let's let's I'm yeah. curious to see. Yeah. What... So I brought um, I brought some um, cheese and crackers, and the cheese being the key element. I couldn't couldn't just bring cheese unless it were, were um, unless it was cheese curds, which is actually very hard uh. to find around New York. So, as an indication of who I am, I um, was born and raised in Wisconsin, gotcha. um, oh. and grew up pretty much eating cheese on everything. So I feel bad for anyone that's lactose intolerant, <laughs> but um, but yeah, absolutely love cheese, and I was able to find some. Cheese cheese that was um is actually wisconsin cheese too oh nice nice you can get curds upstate yeah so upstate is like the wisconsin of new york yeah (laughs) you can people don't like don't believe this unless unless you've actually been to wisconsin but you can buy cheese off the side of the road at cheese shacks (laughs) and cheese stands uh, all across the freeways in wisconsin i might need a trip there (laughs) Uh, i'm certainly a huge cheese fan i would uh, concur on cheese curd upstate although my mom you know had a little co-op and certainly you could go in and buy cheese curd there because it's kind of in that I totally dig cheese curds. Yeah. yeah, you get closer to farms and things like that. And then there's there is actually like one specialty cheese shop in Brooklyn where you can get cheese cheese curds. Uh, which like. which shop in Brooklyn? <laughs> I I, I can't game. remember uh, the name. Um, I was trying to think of it quick, but I, I I can't think of the name. But there's one um specially. I think all they sell is cheese. No, uh, I don't want to go a... too deep into cheese. But <laughs> when you want your cheese curds, do you have them in whey? Do you like them that way, or do, will you have them kind of dry? 
I usually have them. I, well, I, I mean, cheese curds anyway, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but typically dry. Okay. Typically dry. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Coming up, the retail consumer is changing. And the focus is shifting from pulling the consumer to the brands to bringing the brands to where the consumer already is. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes wherever the best podcasts are found. So Heather, we talked about social mm-hmm. and and sort of changes in the way consumers are starting to engage with with brands and marketers and retailers. I always look at it as, you know, I look at my kids and how they engage and they do not engage through the channels that I engage through. A lot of it's through Instagram and and Pinterest and Snap. Um so, so social as a as a potential e-commerce platform. Um I see that as a trend. Uh Obviously, I think you see it as a trend because Shoppable is uh, playing in that space. But what do you think of that trend? Where is it going? And are there other trends that you're seeing related to, you know, consumers changing their habits? Yeah, it's absolutely, a, you know, absolutely a trend. You know, I think it is, um, you know, what we're seeing is really distributed commerce. So I think it was in March, um, I want to say yeah, March, April of this year or so, you know, Instagram announced um, the um, checkout within their site. So it's only allowed, like, now it's only um, open for select advertisers within Instagram, but you can now purchase um, select products from within Instagram. And um, I can say I bought a couple things. I bought this lipstick (laughs) I'm wearing, um, you know, and a couple other things. But really, you know, it's for sure um, what is distributed commerce is absolutely a um, a trend that we're seeing across um, a lot of different places, but in particular across social. And I think part of that is, you know, to your point around, um, you know, um, social um, being somewhere, I mean, you know, millennials and, and you know, younger um, users, but people that are more comfortable kind of just have kind of grown up um, with, um, you know, digital experiences and are very comfortable with purchasing um, across these different um, types of platforms. Do so, you think it's generational? Do you see like that generation of millennials and Gen Zs actually powering this because of that? Did not trust in these experiences as opposed to maybe me being a Gen Xer going, ah, oh, that's cool, but I don't know how I feel about purchasing through social media. I think they're um, in, in a lot of ways powering the new types of um, shopping experiences because uh, they're more uh, typically the type of um, shopper who's going to be a first mover and who's um, you know not going to think twice about um, connecting in their PayPal account to uh, – complete a purchase within Instagram and be, you know, they're going to, you know, millennials, um, you know, and uh, really think that they kind of go in, you know, going back to data and privacy, they go in with the assumption of you guys are tracking everything no matter what. And, and, and I don't mean necessarily Instagram, but, but, but any company where they're putting their information out or they're purchasing products, they assume, you know, everything you, you do is being tracked and, and then, um, oftentimes using that to personalize the experience. And when you don't use the data to personalize an experience to them back there, you know, then they kind of question it. Like, why aren't you like, you know, that I searched for this. Why don't you, you improve the, um, the experience. But we've seen, um, that announcement come from, um, from Instagram and Facebook marketplace has, um, you know, increasing, um, ability to, to purchase, um, 
uh, products there. You know, originally that was um, kind of resale products, but now um, you can purchase, you know, directly brand new products from different um, different brands there. What else? Yeah, Snapchat has been um, for about the last, I think they announced their first e-commerce capability on Black Friday of last year where they had kind of select, um, you know, again, kind of ad um, or brand partners. You had a shop and you'd be able to, to purchase within that. Um, and they've increased the uh, the amount of shopping that, that uh, they're allowing within Snapchat as well. And then in a, you know, slightly, you know, um, different experience from um, from social, you know, recently um, Google announced their um, kind of uh, combination of Google Express and Google Shopping. And that is something where they're using your – a lot of the data of what you're shopping for or what you've been looking for to personalize the results that they're giving you. Um you know, and kind of give you your own personalized homepage when you're getting um, getting into that experience. So for sure, all of these places are, um, I guess Google Express um, obviously existed before, but, you know, um, across the social are all places that you wouldn't be able to check out previously and you wouldn't be able to purchase. So all of those would have been, you know, that 16 or so redirects to get to a retailer yeah. or a brand site to, to check it out. So I think it's um, really, really exciting to see, um, you know, m- more and more of that um, distributed commerce happening. You know, it's interesting when we've been talking about this, th- there's the one side of it of connecting the experience in some sort of advertisement, some sort of marketing message to check out and, and the convenience of that and flattening that experience and making it, you know, fewer touch points. And you've mentioned a couple of times the data and insights. Mm-hmm. So that piece has got to, the, 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 the connection of that has got to make the insights more powerful and the, the data that you can provide back to uh, a brand more powerful is is that part of the equation as well and do you see that becoming um an increasing part of the expectation from the retailer that you guys are going to be providing um these metrics back oh 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah i think that's um you know o- oftentimes that is you know a driving force um of, of what they're looking for Sure. So it's less about the actual checkout and it's more about how do you connect the dots to help me create a better experience. Yeah, and it but it and it's related, you know, obviously the more um, you know, the more touch points you have with a, a consumer, the more likely you are to have to increase the number of purchases that the consumer's making. The more purchases they're making, the more data you have. So it's really about kind of creating, um, you know, I mean, we kind of think about it really as just commerce everywhere. And but all of those things are are um, are related and um, they're able to to get um you know, increase both the, you know, the revenue and, and the um, data collected at the same time. Can you talk to us about um, other collaborations, whether either on the technology side, I think, you know, Pinterest is a real partnership and, yeah. you know, doing business, but I think there's kind of always a behind the scenes and technology certainly lends itself to um, collaborating um, or in front of the scenes, other collaborations that, um are going on. Yeah. So, um, you know, our partnership with Pinterest is um, the only like recent one that I can um, that I can announce or, or kind of speak to. But um, but yeah, in, in general, you know, um, Shoppable has been around for about eight years and um, now is kind of a, um, a 
a time when we're working on a lot of different types of partnerships. And really, again, um, when we think about commerce everywhere enabling purchase anytime anywhere that a brand is mentioned, um, you know, for for us to get to that larger vision, you know, we can't expect every single website to, you know, install the technology or something like that. So a lot of our um you know, a lot of our focus um, now is on a, a different types of channel partnerships and things and the right partners. They can take that technology and um, bring it out to a lot of different types of, of consumers. So we have more partnerships um, in the works, but nothing that I can um, specifically announce. So I'm the marketing technology guy, and I've seen all the changes happening with respect to personalization and ads, the ability <laughs> to get you know, messaging in front of uh, a consumer that are uh, highly targeted to them, are customized for them, are personalized to them. I feel like there is this possibility, maybe not in the next five years, maybe not even in the next 10 years, where commerce everywhere could become reality. You don't, as a retailer, need a website. Mm -hmm. You could potentially use each of those engagement points as a way to create a commerce experience. Do you, do you actually, I, I know that's what you're trying to do at Shoppable. Do, do you see that potentially happening where maybe even a direct consumer ran as they're starting off, they go, I don't actually need a website. Mm -hmm. I can power all of this through my ads, through my marketing messages. Is that a possibility? I think so. Yeah, I think um, we've heard from companies, we don't do this today, but we've had companies like inquire specifically about that kind of thing, like where they want to, they just want to sell through Instagram and use PayPal and that's it. So they're like, can you kind of marry those two things together? And, um, you know, so I think it, increasingly people are looking for that. Like if you think to kind of take it out of um, retail for a minute, if you think about um, bloggers and influencers, um, there are so many bloggers now that don't have a blog, <laughs> you know, and that's what they call themselves. And I think maybe they're probably moving more towards like, I'm just an influencer, but they don't even have a website. You know, if you um, ask them where to find them, it, it, it is Instagram. And if they have to type in a website, it's Instagram.com slash whatever it is. So, you know, increasingly, you know, I think people are looking, you know, always looking, I don't want to say for like a shortcut, but they're, you know, everyone's always looking for how do I, you know, create something that's super efficient. So I don't think that the, you know, we're going to see a time when a Macy's or, a, you know, a Amazon doesn't have a website. I'm sure like, I, I think it's very possible that some new, you know, new brands kind of, um, you know, maybe not, you know, in, in the next year or something, but in the next several years, find a, you know, a way to um, get out there without having to build a whole website. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I was thinking about there. there is this possibility potentially 10 years from now going, I don't need to type in a URL to go and purchase something. I can do it through social media. I can mm -hmm. do it through an advertisement. I can do it through some other channel where that's powered by that channel or by the advertisement in that channel. Um, and it's actually pretty exciting. You're absolutely right. I don't think it's the um, the more established 
retail brands doing that, but why not a new direct consumer brand mm-hmm. that that emerges and goes, we're going to do their disruption is to do away with the website. Right. Exactly. And, and we're Xers. So I think that's also, you know, <laughs> yeah. if you don't have a website, well, should I buy from you or not, you know, kind of thing. But I think that mindset will probably go away at some point to your. Yeah, 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 exactly. And to, you know, to, you know, mention another kind of trend, like you've probably noticed on, on, you know, any number of websites you guys have, have checked out on recently, like the number of like kind of like buy it now buttons at the checkout. Um, it used to just be PayPal or, you know, a regular like full type in everything credit card um, checkout. But now it's PayPal and it's Apple Pay and it's MasterPass and it's Visa Checkout and um, Amex just released one and I'm for- forgetting the name of it. But um, they just released one and then um, – you know, there's just there's so many. There's one for every single. Uh, um, Chase released one as well. Um, so increasingly, you know, that's taking care of, um, you know, part of that equation. So if you're if you're kind of marrying those those things together, and they're like, well, I've got the inventory, you know, in my kitchen or in my garage or whatever, and I've got this piece, you've got to find a way to collect it. But you kind of can simplify things as different businesses are like really becoming experts in like a piece of the process. So just tying it all together. Yeah, I think the word you mentioned before, which still sticks in my head, is the friction that exists. And each of these pieces are friction points. The fulfillment, the the payment, the the site, the the advertisement. But if you can remove some of those friction points. Yeah, 100%. I think it's like from a consumer standpoint, I always like think like just let me buy what I want to buy where I want to buy it. And it seems so simple. But, um, you know, before the Internet, you had to physically find a location and go into that location and purchase it or Sears catalog or something like that. But, um, you know, and then everyone moved to to digital and has their website and they expect you to go to the website and purchase on the website. But, you know, from a, um, you know, again, from a consumer standpoint, wherever I discover someone's product, I just want to buy it in whatever's like the lowest amount of friction um, possible and, Ultimately, I think, you know, consumers care about the product that they're buying and they want that product and the how that it's delivered there, um, I think, uh, needs to be varied. And I think there's always like a, you know, there's a time and a place for a lot of different types of experiences, you know, so to like the the offline, I think offline's not going away or anything like that. I think there's always a time and a place where you're walking by Dwayne Reed and you want to um, pop in and, and pick up whatever product you want. And there's a time and a time to go directly to Walmart.com or Amazon or wherever. But just because you you go there and the websites exist or the stores exist doesn't mean that if you discover something in your Instagram feed, you don't want to just buy it right there, even if it's being fulfilled by a Walmart or someone. Yeah, it's almost like e-commerce. On well, e-commerce. The online experience was a progression from catalog. They just became digital catalogs. Yeah. And mm-hmm. now there's probably this this phase where you can even remove that sort of catalog like feel and experience, and then just put it. You know, to your point, I want to buy right now here. Let's do it. Um, I don't have to deal with the catalog. Right. Exactly. Well, and you think about, um, you know, social and stuff like that, like you're opting into who you're fo- who you want to follow. You're following people or influencers or friends or whatever. So you're kind of already getting like a curated product assortment based on those people. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're lifting and kind of doing the, the in, in some extent, like the search work for you and products like the stuff that. Like there's a, so many things um, 
I hope my husband's not listening. But so, many pro- so many products that, like, you discover that you're like, if I didn't know this existed, I wouldn't have bought it. Like, right. I wasn't searching for it. But because it was there and it was easy to buy, I bought it. So that, there's that whole aspect of these these new types of discovery and sales that uh, brands are getting through this these new types of distributed commerce opportunities that – is incremental to what they were getting before. Absolutely. And I always say this. I'm like, God, Instagram has my story because <laughs> I must look at it as much as my email. And, you know, oh, you click through on a Rebecca Taylor dress, all of a sudden some other floral dress is showing up. And they, it it's, um, definitely encourages people to to click all the way through. For exactly. Sure. And, you know, and again, to, to your point on the data and the, the, the marketing, it, it just is obviously getting better and better. So you know that they know you when you want to buy everything and then you end up <laughs> buying everything. Right. <laughs> like it's um, it, it's increasingly, you know, getting to be a much better experience when you're able to have those kind of sudden um, impulse purchases. <laughs> I'm actually trying to think as we're talking, is curation equal to personalization? or are they just sort of complementary? Like, is it the same thing? Like, this, is if I'm getting personalized ads, is that curation or is that a separate concept? I don't, I don't know. I, don't... I think it's related. It's it's related but different. Yeah, because I curate. I think I'm. I think about like curation is like the whoever you know and and you know whoever you're following or you know sites you're reading mm-hmm. or involved in they're curating based on their audience type and kind of speaking to them but the level of you know personal personalization i think like takes it a step further where it's like we know like you know you're following a particular influencer or um you know publishers um online or something like that so you're you know you're following them because you relate to them or you like what they're they're putting forward but getting it a step further to knowing like that you never wear orange or whatever it is and like don't show you an orange or you I know or something. <laughs> I mean on my shoes, but not not on my body. I don't I it's color I don't I don't wear. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. <laughs> not with my complexion. Yep. Coming up we'll hear a little bit less about Choppable and a little more about Heather. Entrepreneurista. A woman who organizes and operates a business, taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. One who has a drive, passion, and vision with an undying determination to succeed. She is fiercely motivated, ambitious, and competitive, forging her own path to independence and success. That's an entrepreneurista. Through the conversations on the Entrepreneurista podcast, we want to celebrate failures, reflect on successes, and get unfiltered about what it takes to be your own boss. This is the Entrepreneurista podcast presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurstapodcast.com. So, Heather, we know you're a cheesehead. Mm-hmm. I knew it was going to go to cheese. <laughs> I mean, once once you open the door to cheese, exactly. it doesn't shut. That You yep. can't stuff that genie back in. Um, Wisconsin, how was it growing up there and how did you end up in New York? 
Yes. Wisconsin was a great place to grow up. Um, you know, I grew up in a town called La Crosse, um, which most people have never heard of. It's right on the Mississippi. Um, but yeah, it was a beautiful, um, beautiful town, like 50,000 people. And then I grew up just um, in the town, but kind of outside of the city. So um, I guess my um, parents referred to it as a hobby farm. We didn't have, you know, cows and and um chickens or anything like that we had we had horses and a lot of cats and <laughs> dogs and things like that um but yeah it was a beautiful place to grow up and um really fun like growing up um on the river and um you know getting to have that type of experience and small town place everyone knows everyone and you any type of business you could um need it's someone you know someone's family owns it and then that kind of thing so it's just a beautiful place to grow so because i'm american i don't understand geography at all like the, the concept <laughs> of wisconsin and a friend of mine's from Iowa, but grew up on the Mississippi. Like mm -hmm. that just seems odd to me. So <laughs> I, this is a river town. Yes, it is. Yeah. So the whole western part of Wisconsin is is basically lined by the Mississippi. Um, and La Crosse is on, um, you know, it's on the Mississippi. We're like two hours um, west of Madison and about two hours um, from Minneapolis on, on the other side. Okay. Do you go back? I do. Um, I go back... At least once a year, sometimes twice a year. During Which is the nice. summer, I hope. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's usually Christmas. Um, <laughs> oh, well. Usually Christmas. But it's it's so beautiful there, um, you know, and um, my uh, family has a, like, wood-burning fireplace in, uh, in the living room, so I always do Christmas and and things um, with wood-burning fire every single day, and you, you need it because I've been there, and it's literally been 40 below. <laughs> Um, which to finish answering your question, why I left and I ended up here the, <laughs> for twenty below. The forty weather. below. I think I was a senior or junior, or senior in high school, and I was on student government. Had to get to the school at like six a.m. Had used to have like two pairs of. I had like mittens that I put um, or gloves that I put inside another pair of mittens. So I had two pairs of gloves on essentially, and I walked a block to. Um, school and by the time I got there, I literally could not open the door because my fingers were so frozen with two pairs of gloves on that I was like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna die! <laughs> it's too cold!" And I had to use like my arms to to turn the um, the handle. And I swore to myself that day I was moving to California. <laughs> did you move to California? So I did. I went uh, to yeah. college at um, University of San Francisco. You got out, and of the then cold. Um, yeah, I got out of the cold. Um, no snow there. And what was uh, amazing about that is. Tahoe was, you know, a few hours away, so you could drive to the snow when you wanted it and then drive back. But um, but yeah, so that's um I, I moved to San Francisco for college, stayed there um in technology, um working in technology after before moving out to New York. And the city just called you? Is this like the I, you know, I've always loved New York. Um so I'll tell you, I have one like like a funny like New York story. Um, I came to New York um, when my older sister was looking at schools, and I, so I must have been like fourteen or something. And I stepped out of the hotel with my older sister and my dad, and you know, as soon as you you come out of those like spinning doors, as a fourteen year old, and some guy hit me on the shoulder. He's got his coffee, his briefcase, and I'm like, whoa! You know, he bumped me on the shoulder, and he looks at me, and goes, "Welcome to New York." <laughs> <laughs> and I looked, you know, I started looking around and my, you know, my dad looks at me, he goes, he's like, watch out. I'm like, what, what, you know, grew up in, you know, living in Wisconsin. There's no one on the sidewalks. <laughs> you don't need to watch out for that. But, um, 
you know, I looked around and I was like, all these people look like they're so important and they all are rushing to go do something so important today. And I'm like, I'm going to be one of those people one day. Um, and I'm just like, I always thought I'm like, I'm going to live in New York. And it's just um, been on my list. So I've never are. quite understood where we're all rushing to, but I always feel <laughs> yeah, like I'm in are. a rush. Or, or we're always late. That's true. Um, I'm going to bring it back to cheese because we just can't avoid it. Do, <laughs> being from Wisconsin, um, any views on unpasteurized cheese? That was a little bit of an issue in New York. I think I might have even signed a document in a cheese shop one day saying that I would be willing to have some unpasteurized cheese if they'd allow it into the U.S. I, Is there any push for that or – um, I mean, not not that I'm aware of, like specifically in Wisconsin, but I'm not, you know, at all in, involved in in that other <laughs> the than, actual than, industry. Yeah, <laughs> I can't speak to that part of Is it. That part but... of your high school curriculum. <laughs> I know exactly. Like um, everyone does take multiple field trips to the farm, though. I've got to say. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, I will take cheese anyway that it is served. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> no objection to it either way. What's the most objectionable cheese you've ever had? Like, like this is not Ooh. cheese. I can't believe we keep talking about cheese, but just, I think some of the like pre-packaged singles. Kind oh of yeah, 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 um, yeah. <laughs> Spoken like a true, not like a cheese. There's that some came that's from like France. There, that's, yeah, you there's know. some like fake, fake cheese. Right, um, it's fake you know, cheese. Certain cheese that's not made of cheese is not cheese. Let's put it that way. If there's no milk and no. So Heather, we give you a chance to give us a final thought. Um, any thoughts you want to share with the audience? Yeah. So final thought. You know, I really just um, would say that uh, I encourage brands and retailers to really you know, embrace this new type of innovation and the new, um, you know, the new way that, that consumers are purchasing products and the new demands that, that, that consumers are, are asking for. I think that increasingly we're seeing that that happen, but I just encourage them to continue to um, embrace that and, um, you know, not be threatened by it, but and, and embrace that as kind of a new opportunity for them and, and really a, a, a new way to engage with customers and overall to lift their sales. So if brands and marketers want to engage with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, so um, either directly through our website at shoppable.com, um, through my uh, LinkedIn, or on Twitter at Heather Marie NYC. Thank you, Heather, for the time. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, thank you, as always, Rebecca. Thank you. Uh, this is Chris Hansen. And thank you, audience. Uh, thanks for listening. And we'll be back next time. This has been Retail is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2019. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. Connect.